Welcome to an all-new episode of Fast Friends Podcast. I'm your host, Logan Cummins, at Logan Cummins on Twitter. On today's episode, I'll be trying to make friends with professional wrestler Vinny Scalise in less time than it takes for WrestleMania tickets to sell out. Let's get to it. I'm Logan Cummins. I'm a former pro wrestling creative, a mediocre stand-up comedian, and a ranch-dressing aficionado who lives beyond my means. This is my weekly podcast where I set out to make friends with each and every one of my guests. Sometimes it works. Other times, not so much. Vinny Scalisi, welcome to the Fast Friends Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Logan. Yeah, and thank you for upgrading your audio. I'm so oh, glad uh, that you're... As she, I was just saying, first uh, podcast, new headphones, new microphone. Now I got to get my wife to get a new laptop, but that's a little more expensive. So I'm excited to see how this comes out. Yeah, dude, we're happy to have you here. Thanks thanks for upgrading. the. the I'm still paying on my computer. It's a monthly payment at this point. So I, I like how you said thanks for upgrading as if you've been listening to my past podcast appearances and they've been garbage. Yeah. And now I, I'm upgrading for you. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I mean, that's what I've done the last two weeks. I've gone through and just searched for your name anywhere I could find it, watched videos. I found some amazing uh, old wrestling videos that we'll get to in a little bit. Uh-oh. Yeah. It's, you know, once it's, once you do it, it's out there forever. I know. I think about that a lot. Me too. I tried to pitch a reality show in 2012 and I'm not like embarrassed by it at all, but it, now it just wouldn't work. Uh, it was like, it was called man's formation. So it, the premise was basically like, I do all the stereotypically non-manly things in my marriage with my wife. So like, I'm not allowed to do anything around the house. Uh, but I like can load the dishwasher, things like that. <laughs> okay. So it was like, it was trying to find different celebrities to teach me different stereotypical manly skills. And I did like a full length pilot where I went to Alaska and went bear hunting with, uh, Bristol Palin's baby daddy, Levi yeah, Johnston. Yeah. yeah. It was I a mean, blast. It but sounds it's there. like there's, there's something there. It sounds like that has legs. You just gotta, you know, whittle away at it. Yeah. The only thing I whittled away at was my savings. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Once I ran out of production dollars that went by the wayside, but it was a valuable life experience. I had a blast. So awesome. Well, I'm glad that you're here today. Uh, how's your week going? You doing okay? Uh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately I still have a real job that I can't yeah. stand. So I just, uh, got out of there. So now ready for the weekend basically. Yeah. Cause now I get to BVSK. So that's the exciting part of my week. Yeah. That's for people that don't know, VSK is uh, your ring name. We've had Cow Hero on the show before, and I talk about wrestling in every episode a little bit. But people have probably heard me say, like, when you're coming up and working to try to get to a contract, like, you live basically a double life because, to your point, you have to have a nine to five and, like, pay all your bills and then go, like, put your body on the line for yeah. 20, 30, 50, whatever the dollar payout may be. How'd you know? <laughs> I used to work in wrestling. No, no, I know so. that. How'd you know my weekend payout? Jeez, come oh, on. Yeah. Come on, I know a secret. lot about you. I actually work for the FBI, so... Oh, um, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> That's my day job. It's funny, no. it's funny you say that, because there's a meme, uh, not to cut you off, but there's no, a meme that has, like, 
uh, a guy in a mask and a cape, like a luchador mask and a cape that I've been seeing for like 10 years. And it says like, uh, my, I'm very different outside of work or something like that. And it's basically every professional wrestler's life until they can support themselves. Yeah. Yeah, it's a rough, it really is a rough, I know every like industry is kind of like that to a point, but man, wrestling is rough because you're, you're beating the shit out of your body so much, right? Like even when you're not getting truly injured, like it's the aches and the pains and it just never goes away. So yeah, unfortunately I think you're right. Never goes away. Yeah. (laughs) You know that way better than I do. So cool. Well, this podcast is called fast friends. So the premise is basically, I'm like trying to make friends with people from all different walks of life. So I typically will do that in like three rounds the okay. first round will just be all of that research and things that I've pulled from your FBI file. We'll talk about that uh, at a, at a <laughs> shallow level. Yeah. Um, in the second round, it's called five for five. So I will ask you five questions. You can ask me f- five questions I've that we em. have to truthfully answer. No phone, a friend, none of that. <laughs> okay. And then for round three, we'll call on the fast friends fortune teller. This like paper thing okay. yeah, yeah uh to pick a game that basically uh will you know based on the results of the fortune teller it'll be a game that we'll kind of end with and then i'll send you a friend request in real life all right i haven't seen one of those uh fortune tellers in so long so just seeing that excited me <laughs> it took me a while to figure out how to make them again uh, <laughs> yeah. but now i'm like a factory i'm doing i do it like uh, probably every day in work meetings, I just sit around and, and make page per fortune tellers and then so sell them. It sounds like you're as uh, productive in your nine to five job as I am. <laughs> I actually, I really love my nine to five job. Oh, all um, right. No, I, I, it makes me sad when people don't have one. I had a lot that I didn't love before this one. So, but yeah, I do like it and Good. it's a great job. Uh, I'm not allowed to talk about it or I'll have to kill everyone that listens to this podcast. No, we, don't, we don't need that. We don't have to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, I, whatever. I'm an open book. You can ask questions. That's the other thing. Like, this isn't necessarily an interview. So any question I ask you, feel free to throw it back. Okay. You can ask me follow-up questions. You know, whatever. We're here just to get to know each other. Cool. Sweet. Well, we'll jump right into uh, the first round, if if that's okay. I think you're on the East Coast in Long Island. Is that yes. accurate? Is that where that you were, correct. like, born and raised? Yep. Uh, I've, I've stayed pretty much within 10 minutes of my childhood home. Okay. Still. Wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've never been to long Island. I've been to New York city, never been okay. to long Island. Um, it's on our list because we want to go to Lynbrook and track down the houses from everybody loves Raymond. Oh, um, see, I thought you were going to say you wanted to come to Lindbrook and go to a Creative Pro show, but I also have a very one-track mind, so I apologize. <laughs> I actually do want to go to a Creative Pro show. So one of the people I know from my stint in wrestling is Rory Fox. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. Who, <laughs> who you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, good friend. Good friend of yours. And so when he's gone to uh, events there that he's performed on, he's like, dude, this is just like the old H we were, we worked together at HWA under Les Thatcher. So he's like, this is just like the cool setup that we had in the contract days. Like you would love it. You should come out and try to check out a show. So who knows? Maybe it's on my list alongside the everybody loves Raymond house. There you go. Do two for one. I mean, we're right down the street, I think. Yeah. I'm I'm just telling you that I have no idea where the houses are, but I'm just telling you that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'll send you the addresses. I found like a TV's 
like it's like a TV map to like okay. TV filmed houses or something. But it's in Lynbrook, which yes, I yes. think isn't far. It's like 15 minutes from me. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nothing's. I always think everything's like 15 to 20 minutes. So it's good to yeah. know that I'm accurate in this account. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been to the Midwest? I have not. Does Ohio count as Midwest? It depends. You know, it does. Absolutely. Okay. Then yes. I, I've wrestled for AIW a couple times. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, in Cleveland, right? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, we actually went to Cleveland, my wife and I, once for like a business trip. Uh, her sister and or she and her sister work at the same hospital. So they both got to do like a work conference where they went to work during the day. And then me and my brother-in-law hung out and did some exploring of the city. And then they came out and hung out with us at night. So I've got to actually see the city. Because most of the times when I do traveling for wrestling, it's yep. like, oh, I got to see this one building that was really sweaty smelling and had a ring in it. So that's my experience usually when I travel. And then stay in a hotel with like 10 other people. Yeah, yeah. unless I'm getting right back in the car and going home. Yeah, yeah. Oof. Yeah. Again. <laughs> Jeez. It's so glamorous, you guys. Yes, very um, much. When did you know that you wanted to be a wrestler? Oh, so this is a, this is a fun story. Uh, my dad, a big wrestling fan. Uh, my parents went to the first WrestleMania. And oh, nice. Yeah, so, like, wrestling has always been, like, a thing in my life. Like, I don't remember a time without it. Uh, okay. But WrestleMania Seven, uh, Macho, Ultimate Warrior. Oh, yeah. They, they have their little match. And then at the end, when Elizabeth comes out and uh, reunites with Macho, I, I remember sitting on my couch. So that's 1990. I'm literally three, and this is, like, a vivid memory for me. I was sitting on my couch with the Macho King wrestling buddy, like, hugging it. Oh, and yeah. I remember getting overcome with emotions, seeing them get back together and just like squeezing my buddy and being like, I didn't know what it was, but it was something that was so special to me. And that mm -hmm. kind of that feeling hung with me forever. And then uh, 1996, Shawn Michaels, Boyhood Dream. And it's yeah. just, hey, there's this kid that liked wrestling his whole life. And then he chased that dream. And now he's an adult and he's fighting for the world title. So, like, that feeling I felt from Macho and Ultimate Warrior fueled me till I got to the Shawn Michaels story that I was like, I want to emulate that story. I want that to be my life. Kid who liked wrestling and then got into wrestling and made that his life. Yeah. So, okay, so that fuel—I'm trying to, like, connect the dots, sorry. With <laughs> So even, like, as a kid, you were like, you were like, I love wrestling and you yeah. wanted to be— that when you grew I, up it, it was like wrestling was everything for me like I, I look back at kids like or my photos from childhood and it's like the other kids are like playing with whatever with trucks and dinosaurs and stuff every picture of me as a kid is me playing with an LJN figure or then okay. like a Hasbro figure later like my parents built me different rings as like a child so that like I could take one to my grandparents' house and have it there to oh, wow. have one at home. So, like, re wrestling figures traveled with me everywhere, and that was, like, all... That, that was the only thing that I cared about, I guess you could say. Like, it was just wrestling figures, wrestling figures, wrestling figures, and watching wrestling on TV. So, yeah. like, there was no, like... Oh, I'm going to have like uh, a Hot Wheels phase and then I'm going to have a phase where like I'm going to go play tag with all my friends. It's like, no, I'm going to sit in my room, watch wrestling, and play at my figures. Yeah, 
Yeah. It's the Shawn Michaels moment was huge for me too. He was like, uh, he was one of my favorites for sure growing up. Um, I mean, s- still like obviously one of the best of all time. And you with... see my, my wall obviously behind me. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's the, the obsession <laughs> hasn't died for me with Shawn Michaels either. Yeah. I, you know, there's, there are worse people to be obsessed with if you, <laughs> yeah. uh, for a career inspiration. That's for sure. For sure. For sure. So it's funny that you say like this. I feel like everybody that's a big wrestling fan has the, like the segment or the match or whatever it was, right? Like that kind of hooked them. Mm-hmm. Mine is more embarrassing. If you would like for me to tell you about it, it's it's actually one of my questions on my five questions. Oh, because okay. I feel like everyone that gets into wrestling, like you know, you you have a stint in wrestling. You're you're doing a podcast where you want to talk about wrestling. So there has to be a moment that was that moment that turned you and said, "I don't yeah. want to just be a fan. I want to be involved." So yeah, yeah, what, yeah. What was that moment? Uh, do you want me to tell you now or do you want me to hold it off? Uh, it's your show, man. You you steer the ship here. I'm just yeah, coming yeah, along true, for the true. ride. Okay. Um, I'll wait. I'll wait okay. and tell you then. <laughs> but it's worth the wait to people listening at home. It's Big, big cliffhanger, guys. If you're hitting absolutely, pause now. <laughs> absolutely. Tune in next week for the conclusion. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great. So you obviously Shawn Michaels. Who were some of your other favorite wrestlers as you were like growing up or even now? Uh, so... Uh, my first guy was Hogan, uh, okay. just because everyone's first guy is Hogan. But that, like I said, that Macho Man moment made me a huge Macho Man fan for life. Then it became Shawn Michaels. Uh, I pretty much stuck with him uh, until I got a little older. Then it was like RVD. Uh, okay. I, I modeled a lot of like early VSK matches. I'm just straight ripping off Rob Van Dam with moves because <laughs> like I just was. Oh, I saw this. I'm going to do this over here in this match. And I had no, no idea what I was doing or how I should be doing it. But I was like, man, Rob Van Dam does that. Yeah. Uh, then it became AJ Styles. And now, yep. I mean, it's still AJ Styles. You know, like he's still head and shoulders above to me. Yeah, he's really good. I mean, everyone you said is really good. It's it's interesting, though, because there are a lot of like different styles mixed into those, those names, right? For sure. Uh, I mean, Hogan... <laughs> Well, Hogan of, doesn't remember, count. Yeah, Hogan doesn't count, but but you have to still respect his contributions, I of feel course. like, right? I do remember like as a kid, uh this may I don't know if you remember will remember this or not, but there was like the angle where Hogan like earthquake crushed his ribs. Of course, yeah. I cried. Uh, like as a kid, I was like, I wanted to wait, like ride him moment? a car. Are you telling us your no, 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 okay. no, 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 no. Because I wasn't really hooked yet then. Okay, but like you know, it was like cartoons ish, right? Yeah, yeah. But I remember, like, I th- I feel like I either asked my parents to send a card or like buy me a card to send or something. Uh, and I wasn't, they weren't into wrestling. So I had, I had seen that at my cousin's house. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So you go through school, like, did you play other sports in school or were you like, I'm so, going to like do amateur wrestling to yes. try to make like, okay. I did. I did amateur wrestling. Cause now this is, I graduated high school in 2005. So I'm just, I'm trying to do my own timeline of why yeah. I thought <laughs> amateur wrestling was the thing to do, but I just always had in my head, I'm going to do amateur wrestling. I'll uh, wrestle in college, and then I'll just be so good that it'll be an easy way to get yep. into WWE. They'll be yep. looking for athletes. They'll see that I'm a good wrestler, and uh, I'll find a wrestling school or whatever. Actually, my my life plan was wrestle college for however long, and then Shawn Michaels Wrestling Academy. 
Okay. That all evaporated so quickly <laughs> because Shawn Michaels Wrestling Academy evaporated so quickly. Right. Uh, but I always thought it was just going to be this. I had no idea. I didn't know there was wrestling schools outside of Shawn Michaels. I didn't know if there was even independent shows until like 2005, 2006. So right. I was very much just like blinders on WWE. And yeah. I didn't know how you get there. So I was like, I'll do all of these things that I think lead me in that direction. Okay. Did you not watch any WCW at all? Were you like pure WWE? So I I was always aware of it, but I was never like watching weekly or like keeping up with the storylines or anything like that. I remember as like a kid, I used to go to my grandparents' house on the weekends because my parents were in a bowling league because they were cool guys like that. Uh, So on Saturday nights, I'd go to my grandparents' house and I remember there, I don't know why... It's just the connection was there. Like I go to my grandparents' house, I put on the TV on this channel, and I watch WCW Saturday Night. But that never transferred over to home for some yeah. reason. So yeah. like it, then it just became a thing I would watch at my grandparents' house, but not something that I was like enamored with, like WWF. Right, right. Okay, yeah. I was usually a pretty uh, much a WWF guy too. I are I you always like from Nitro. the Midwest? Yeah. I don't mean to cut you off. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. No, uh, cut me so, off, man. So, like, was it, obviously then everything's on cable, but, like, was there the people who only watched WCW or only watched WWF at that time? Yeah, and I should say, like, it probably was very um, specific to, like, the time period that I'm talking about. So I was in high school right as the Monday Night Wars were heating up. Gotcha. And so it was one of those things where... Like people watched again because of the NWO and the Monday Night Wars. Of course. So I yeah, felt yeah. like people were either one or the other, right? Yeah. And there was like a small cross section of people that maybe watched both. I remember I actually watched, I would watch the first hour of Nitro, uh, flip to USA, mm-hmm. watch two hours of Raw, flip back to TBS or TNT or whatever it was on. And like watched the last the overrun, yeah. Ah. So I was like, I was trying. To, I was watching four or five hours of wrestling or something. What a time! In a night. What a time to be alive! And yeah. not only were you watching it, but you were enjoying it. Unlike if you're trying to watch Monday Night Raw for three hours <laughs> nowadays, right? It's, it's right. It's a very different time. It's very different. Very very different. Wow. Okay. When so you didn't know about wrestling schools? I mean, like right? I don't. There, it wasn't as known then. No, I think the only like way that I heard about it was maybe the Ultimate Warrior was opening a school, and I okay. heard like, okay, that's a thing. But I think that run was so short, and then he was like out of my mind again once he left. That that mm-hmm. wasn't an option. And then it was just like, I'm a kid who loves wrestling. I know I want to be a wrestler. And then whatever, what like maybe middle school, Shawn Michaels opens his school, and it's like, yep. okay, life plan set. Let's yep. do it. I'm moving to Texas. Yep. I 100% was. I started buying uh, uh, Texas college like sweatshirts and hats because I was yeah. like, I'm, I'm in. I'm going. Wow. I, don't, I don't go. Spoiler alert. I don't <laughs> Spoil- go. <laughs> Where did you end up training when you decided to go? Uh, so I ended up going to Victory Pro Wrestling, which is in Deer Park, uh, Long Island. Uh, I, again, I didn't really know how any of this worked. I went to a couple indie shows for NYWC. Uh, They're like a bigger New York indie or Long Island indie, which is where like uh, Hawkins, Ryder, Pat Buck, Trent, uh, Tony Nese, Alex Reynolds, Johnny Silver, where all those guys are from. Okay. So uh, I, I went down to their shows for about a year, and I was building up the courage basically 
to join their school to see if like that was going to be the path for me. My wife happened to look through the newspaper one day, saw Mike Bucci, Nova. He was going to be doing a seminar in Deer Park. Okay. Signed, me, signed me up for it without telling me. I got home. Okay. We both got home from, uh, it was either my part-time job or, or college that day. And she was like, hey, I have a surprise for you. I signed you up for this wrestling school. You're going to go to the seminar uh, and, you know, then start figuring out your wrestling career. So I was like, holy crap. So then I get to the seminar, and it's like a full-blown, like, you start, t- start doing rolls, start taking bumps, start doing lockups, like run spots, and this is the first time I'm ever in a wrestling ring. Yeah. So now I'm just faking it and hoping no one notices that I don't know what the, what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> and uh, so the, the seminar ends, and uh, afterwards I go, up to the, I go up to Nova and the owner of the school, and I was like, hey, this was my first time ever being in a ring. How do I get into training? And they were both like, what? This is the first time you're ever in a ring? I was like, yeah, is that bad? And they're like, no, how did you get through this? And I was like... I've been watching wrestling my whole life, and then I watched uh, well, uh, True Life, I Want to Be a Pro Wrestler, <laughs> and I was like, I learned how to bump from that, so not the best way to start, but that's pretty much how it got me kick-started, and then at that school, I'm very long-winded, I apologize, at the school, uh, the first year was kind of just students training each other on what they had known that the other person doesn't know, and then finally they brought in Ricky Reyes, who was in Lucha Underground as Cortez Castro. Uh, and he became like the head trainer, and that's where like I really learned like here's how you wrestle, like the putting a match together yeah, and yeah, all yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More than here are some moves that my friends know. Right, right. Though those can be impressive too. I still do some of them. Yeah. <laughs> so you and Rory Fox go way back then. If you watch no, True Life, I'm a pro wrestler. Not really, but right, right. So like <laughs> I didn't even realize that it was him. Until, like, Matt and Brian start talking about him all the time, doing their podcast. He becomes, like, a character on the podcast. Then I'm like, oh, holy crap. I (laughs) I do know this guy. Like, I I always knew him as the guy whose trunks blew open. I didn't realize they were all the same guy. Yeah. He – I need to schedule and have him on, too, so we can – because, yeah, the exploding – I was there for all that, like, booking at HWA. He was my, like – I guess like chosen one Jeff Jarrett style champion at the okay. time. Um, I, I can see it. Like he keeps posting old pictures now and he's yeah. got a body with that long blonde hair. I can see it. It's funny now because I watched True Life. I'm a pro wrestler before I knew Rory. Yeah. And so now like he actually sent me a VHS copy of it. Um, not <laughs> that awesome. many years ago. <laughs> I asked him to. And uh and it's just funny because it's like, oh, cool. You know, and you see less on there and he's like being all less. Yep, it's, yep. Yeah, it's crazy. Okay. So you train there. You debut like not, it couldn't have been much longer than that, right? Like how long did you train before your first match? So what I like actually consider my first match, I think there was uh, eight months between when I started training and the first match. We did like one like birthday party kind of show that was yeah. just in front of like, you know, however many people that this kid invited. Yep. So like that was my first time being in front of a crowd, but on an actual show with like other wrestlers, I think it was eight months. Okay. Yeah. That's, it's always interesting to hear that because some people are like, I trained for two years some people are like two months you know and i don't know that there's a one right answer so it's it's always interesting it's so weird because everybody just picks it up differently everybody 
can, you know, it clicks for different people at different times. So yep. you can't have like a, this is the cookie cutter way that we're going to do it. Cause Correct. it just doesn't work for, for people like that. Yeah. Like uh, there's a, there's a poster behind you of this guy, MJF. Uh, he yeah. was on TV before I was having good matches. <laughs> like it took me like five years to figure out like, Oh, here's how to have a good match. And Max is like, Oh, I'm main eventing a pay-per-view. It's like, everyone's different, you know? Yeah. Who did you wrestle in your debut match? And do you remember, I'm sure you remember, what was the outcome? So when I first started wrestling from the beginning, my name was going to be VSK. It's a silly story. Sidebar. Uh, when I was in fifth grade, I made a screen name for AOL. VS King 98. 98 was the year. And then VS King and VSK just kind of stuck with me and became like my name for everything I was doing. So when I got into wrestling, I was like, I'm VSK. I've always been VSK. VSK is going to be my name. When I went to the school and we started talking about like matches and gimmicks and like whatever, I was like, okay, I'm going to be VS King. And the owner was like, okay, I don't like that. You can be VSK and we'll put you in a tag team because there's this guy whose name is James Michael Sullivan and goes by JMS. You guys will be a team. And I was just like, Oh, okay. (laughs) And then uh, two of the original students from the school who only had a year more of training than I did were like the veterans of the school. So the first match was going to be a tag team match. Myself and JMS against uh, J Delta and Xander Page. Uh, And, you know, we we practiced that match for weeks and weeks leading up to it. Uh, I lost with, I want to say like, a power bomb or something like that from this guy that I was wrestling at the time. I was like 145 and he was about 300. Hit me with a nice power bomb and uh, that was it for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, um, every, every time. <laughs> so I was well, that was my next question actually was if you debuted under the name VSK and what it already covered that one. One of the one of my favorite things and of course as somebody who did like the creative aspect of writing for wrestling, I've thrown my uh, fair share of terrible gimmicks, terrible angles, terrible storylines out. What are some of the most interesting like gimmicks or storylines that that you've been involved in where you look back at now and you're like, "Mm, maybe that wasn't such a good idea. I I think more gimmicks, like I don't know how far into my career you've dug, but the (laughs) the whole massage envy thing is absolutely absurd. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, myself and my tag team partner at the time, Dorian Graves, uh, we started going by the moniker uh, Massage Envy. And we were two wrestling massage therapists that no matter what was happening in the match, we really just wanted to get back to massaging you, rubbing your shoulders, doing like all sorts of oil-based and massage-based maneuvers. So like... At the time, it's a lot of fun. I love doing it. Looking back at it now, like the stuff that we were doing, so inappropriate, would not fly nowadays. Like nobody has a sense of humor anymore. And that's not like me trying to be like, oh, don't be politically correct. But like we were doing stuff in good fun. I don't know if it would have flown nowadays. So it, it was fun at the time. And then I'm like, I'm glad that I put, you know, put the end to that when I did so that I <laughs> don't get canceled in pro wrestling. I did see a couple of those matches. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was 
Yeah, those that that's fun. It's a, it is fun though to kind of like look back and you're like, "Oh, you know, I mean, we tried that and it didn't necessarily work or for whatever reason." You know what? I think uh, and like uh, not patting myself on the back, not being Barry Horowitz here. I think it had legs. I think it it was working, but it got to the point where I was just getting frustrated because I wanted to be a singles. And like yep. it's hard to do the whole tag team thing. Uh Dorian had a real life job that was very much more involved than than what I had going on. So I was doing a lot of the hustling and then being like, hey, I'm getting these three bookings for us. Can you make them? And then he'd be like, well, I can make this one, but not this one. And I just wanted to kind of take the, the ball into my own hands and run with it and not have to depend on somebody. Yeah. So, you know, I think the fact that we got a cease and desist from actual massage envy means that we were on the right path. Do you have that framed on the wall by now? Uh, it was an email. Everything's oh, okay. an email nowadays. Oh, that's but, true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. With so for people that are listening at home that aren't as familiar with wrestling, like think of it like a group project that we all hated in school where like one kid is doing all the work and like the other th- aren't doing anything exactly it's not that they're not it's you know it's nobody likes a group project quite honestly so exactly it's probably very similar from the way it sounds okay so you did the ecwa super eight in 2013 which again for non-wrestling fans this is a really big tournament with a lot of history a lot of folks have been uh participants and winners you know Everyone from, like, the Hardys to, like, Steve Bradley to Paul London, Christopher Daniels, like, so much star power through the ECW Super 8. How did that feel for you at the time? And, like, how, like, what what did that do for your career at that point? That was uh, really, really cool. But I think by the time I got there, I could tell that, like, the history had kind of eclipsed the presence uh, mm-hmm. the present the present of the uh of the tournament like you look back at all the old pictures and like like you're just saying all the names that were in it by the time i got there it wasn't that it just didn't have the same feel like oh this is the future of pro wrestling mm-hmm. maybe maybe it didn't for them either but it was a cool thing to be able to say like holy crap i'm in this tournament that i've heard about that all these people are in and now like i get to be a part of it and then yeah. the the one match that i did have was uh, with Mike Mondo, who, if like people don't know who that is, he is another guy from Long Island who made it all the way to WWE, became a tag team champion, and was someone that I looked up to because another guy, it's like, oh, this this is another thing showing me it's possible. Yep. So yep. Uh, the whole tournament, as you know, overall, very cool to be able to do it. Very cool to have my name on a list of people that were in this very prestigious thing. And it, uh, I'm not trying to, like, talk badly about it. It, it has a history. It has a place. Yep. Like, it, it is a big deal to be a part of it. Uh, but the most important thing for me out of that whole thing was I got to wrestle someone that I had watched on TV and had, like, a similar, you know, to a, a lesser degree, of course, but a Shawn Michaels moment where it's like, okay, this guy trained down the street from where I'm training. He right. is not the biggest guy, and he made it all the way to WWE, became a champion, and now I get to, like test my own skills in the ring with them. So that was like the big takeaway for me. Yeah. No, that's huge. I mean, it's those moments I think that can keep you going. You oh, know 100%. what I mean? Cause it's it, again, going back to how brutal it can be as an industry, it, you know, um, it's those little 
those like little wins along the way. When did you get involved with Creative Pro? Okay, so these stories kind of what you just said, and then this yeah. question actually go like, almost hand in hand. I joined Creative Pro right when it opened. I went down to their first ever open house, which I think was two thousand fourteen or fifteen. Fourteen, yeah. Okay, so um, after the Super Eight, little victory, like you said. But then things don't take off exactly how I want them to. I believe also around this time, I went down to FCW just as it was transitioning into NXT and did a tryout there, got a lot of good feedback, didn't take off like I thought it was going to. So mm-hmm. it was a lot of those like little, uh, 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 oh, I, sorry, it's a podcast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm hand motioning that I climb and then I hit a plateau. Uh, so it, it was a lot of that. It was... Uh, hey, this is a really cool little win. Okay, now we're just riding that out. Now I have to find that next win. Okay, here's the next little win. Okay, here's another plateau. So I started uh, thinking, maybe I've gone as far as I can go, and maybe I'm going to stop wrestling. So I was like, I needed some sort of change. Uh, I went down to NYWC, who was the sworn enemy of Victory Pro Wrestling, and I checked out one of their shows because I had a lot of friends there. And I was just like, maybe this is an atmosphere that I want to be involved in. Mm-hmm. Just so happened, Creative Pro does their open house. They're going to open up. I went down. I saw the building. I saw the energy there. I saw how excited Pat and Brian were to have this thing that they're going to you know, launch off the ground. And I was like, okay, this is, this is where I'm going to... you know. Uh, stake my flag and see what happens here and very quickly from being there it it was obvious i made the right decision Mm -hmm. Uh, i went there just to go down and do open rings and get in the ring with new people hoping that like i would get to rub elbows with brian and and pat and just continue to learn while i also just get to kind of get out of the funk that i was in Mm -hmm. and like i said very quickly creative pro has opened so many doors for me that it, it's the probably the best decision I've made in wrestling. Oh, that's great. Because of the network of people that they have, I'm assuming, right? And, like, obviously the the credibility of, like, the program and things like that. Um, cause, because you've kind of worked all over the Northeast specifically yeah. at this point, right? Like, and, and a lot of that, do you credit that to Creative Pro? I think going to Creative Pro has helped me... So when I first went, like I said, I was just going to do like open rings and stuff mm-hmm. and just get, get more reps in basically. Then uh, an opportunity opened up for me to kind of come in and help uh, be a trainer there. So okay. I ended up being a trainer there for maybe a little over a year, two years. And I learned so much in training other people that I maybe didn't realize. Uh, and then started meeting all these new people because Creative Pro became this place that other people wanted to go to. And then there's also... We're teaching these people who are learning at such a fast rate, like MJF, like Chris Statlander, that are getting out there and doing all these shows that maybe I hadn't had a chance to, you know, to travel out to. But now because they're going, I'm going to travel with them. Mm-hmm. So like you said, it becomes a giant network. And it, be- you know, it became me learning from teaching other people and then kind of having that trust built up where someone will say, oh, this guy's a good guy. He can do X, Y, and Z. Take a look at him. And that's like so much of wrestling is who you know as opposed yep. to anything else. So I think it opened doors that I didn't think were going to open. It like opened doors uh, above, below, sideways. Like it, it, it has helped me out 
more than I can even like put into words, as you can tell by the way I stammer through the sentence. Are you still training? Are are you still a trainer there? I'm not a trainer there anymore. So, like I said, I the opportunity opened up. I did uh, like one day a week for whatever it was, however many, however much time, and then they kind of restructured how training was going, and then uh, also just kind of restructured how. Basically, people started graduating. You have guys yep. like Max Caster, uh, MJF, who were there. So it almost was like you didn't need a, a me anymore because you had Brian and Pat to kind of do like the finishing off, you know, like uh, uh, the phrase I'm trying to say, the polishing classes, but, yes. you could say. <laughs> uh, and then you had like graduates who are two years ahead of people who can show them the basics and show them, you know, what I basically what I was basically like the conduit between the two. But okay. then as the uh, newer guys got better and better, you didn't need me anymore. So, like, I wasn't fired, <laughs> but I do like to make that joke that I was yeah. fired from Creator Pro twice. <laughs> Jeez. When you, so when you're training, and I'm very interested to hear your answer to this question. When you're training and you have somebody that shows up as like a relative, like a new person walking in, right? Mm-hmm. Can you tell from day one, like... Yep, they've got it. I think I think to a degree, yes. There are people that you you can see what there's something different about them. Whether it's their their drive, their desire, their athletic ability, their their charisma. I think most people you can see pretty quickly, like, even if it's just this person wants it, this person wants to be here, that's someone that more people are gonna flock to to try and help. So, like, you can see that very quickly. Uh, like I was just saying before, I was 145 pounds, knew from a TV show what I thought was bumping or what was wrestling. But because I think I put out this energy that I am very passionate about it and I want to be here and I want to learn, people were willing to teach me. And I think you can pick up on that very quickly. As far as, like, oh, this person is going to make it to TV in two years. I don't know if there's a real way to tell that, maybe with yeah. Max, because it's Max. But like when I first met like Statlander, for instance, I literally, and this is one of my favorite stories to tell, Like I, I said, I'm never going to learn this person's name because they're going to be in and out so fast. And now she's on TV and yeah. calls me dad, and I consider her my kid. So it's like there's all you can see there's something... Yep. On some people, and then some people surprise you. And, yeah. you know, obviously it's a nice thing to be surprised, but then it's also nice to say, I knew you were going to make it one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's because the reason I ask is like, like I said, I was only involved like from the creative and like business operations standpoint mm-hmm. too. But like I could, I felt like I could tell to your point, not like this person's going to be on TV, but because that's so many variables that are out yeah, of yeah. a lot of control. But like you could tell, John Moxley is the example I'll use. He came and talked to us about training there, and he was like sixteen, maybe like not even legally allowed to train in Ohio. Yeah. But then he like started riding around with us. Like he would come and like watch training, and then he would like ride around and flyer for shows. And like then he finally got old enough to like do the training. And you're you know you see like the progression, and you're like, yep, like. 
You that know, stuff, if he doesn't make it, it's not going to be for lack of trying. hundred percent. That's what I was just going to say. Like that stuff does not go unnoticed and also yeah. doesn't go unrewarded. Mm-hmm. Like there are people who from the second they walk in, that's what they want. They yep. want to be there. And you can tell those people very quickly. And like I said, there, there's a gravitational pull to those people. If yeah. somebody wants to try or wants to, if they're willing to put themselves into it as much as like they can, then you're going to give them as much as you can. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think that's course. what it is with, you know, a lot of guys at Creative Pro, they all came in, uh, in kind of like groups. The guys, uh, they call, they, they actually call them seasons cause they like to think of themselves as a reality show. But okay. like season one was like the, the first year of trainees. And they were this group and they whittled out the people that didn't want to be there or didn't have the same mindset or the same passion. And then the, you know, the second wave comes in now they, they got the same thing and then they keep whittling out until it's just this like tight knit group that they're all there for the same reason. They all have the same passion and then they're all going to help each other out. Whether it's like you said, flyering or, Hey, I'm on this show. I have an open seat in my car. Do you want to come with me? And like I said, that stuff that goes noticed and like, Again, if you do that, people are going to flock to you. Uh, Kristen broke her foot. After three months of training, she broke her foot. She came down to training every day for three months and just sat there and watched. So it was like by the time she got back in the ring, the osmosis of just being around wrestling made her more of a wrestler. And then she was paying attention. And then everyone saw, oh, this girl really wants to be here. She's here when she can't do anything. Let me help her out. I don't know. I'm going on and on. But I I feel very strongly about the passion that everybody at Creative Pro has because it is not like a school that I've been to before. You know, I, I said like I went to VPW for whatever it was, seven years the VPW experience is a very different thing than the Creator Pro experience. And it's just that passion that everybody has. And when you can weed out who doesn't have that passion and who's not actually wanting it like the rest of you, it makes it very easy to be like, okay, this is my group. These are my people. Yeah. yeah. Okay, no, sorry. Awesome. I'm done answering that question now. No, that's it's great. You've been the Creator Pro Wrestling Champ for 692 days, if I'm counting correctly. I think you are. <laughs> Yeah, no one's taking this from you at this point, right? I, I, yeah, I can't imagine who could. <laughs> yeah, that the whole Creative Pro Championship, you didn't ask a question, but just sidebar on the Creative Pro Championship. The fact that I even uh, was given the opportunity to be the champion meant so much to me because of how much I, you know, as I've explained, I think it really changed the direction of where I was going in wrestling. And I think it changed me as a wrestler. So to get the opportunity to be the champion was like such a cool moment for me. And then to have held it for as long as I have, it's like, it, it just means a lot. It's probably like the coolest championship accomplishment, you know, it, it feels so real in a sport that isn't always super real uh, without, you know, offending anybody. It, it means a lot to me, as silly as it may say, it sound like that I won a championship and it means so much because it's pro wrestling, but it really does. Yeah. Well, it, you're like the representative, you know, for that promotion. Yeah. Like when people think of promotion x y and z they think of the champion for sure so to have you there and to be holding that for so long like that says a lot about um you know you as a competitor and also like what creative pro thinks of you so yeah. yeah yeah i think that's a huge compliment i don't i don't think that sounds silly at all um i mean but i also collect toys so <laughs> wait wait till i flip my camera around later when we're done recording i have a lot to show you <laughs> 
Summer is finally in full swing. We've waited so long to be able to leave our quarantine bubbles and get out of the house. I just recently got my bike tuned, so I'm excited to take it out for a spin. But you know what I'm not excited about? Getting hangry while I'm out on the trail. As you head outside, don't forget to take Paps Jerky with you. Paps makes beef jerky and beef sticks to fuel your outdoor lifestyle. They come in unique original flavors like Pitmasters, Hot, and my personal favorite, Grippo's Barbecue. You know what they say, you can take the boy out of Cincinnati, but you can't take the Cincinnati out of the boy. And right now, Fast Friends listeners can receive 15% off their first order by entering promo code FASTFRIENDS15 at papsjerky.com. So save up, fuel up, and get outside. So can you tell me... Not for my own. I'm not like interested in joining because, okay. but what's VSK's little world gym? How did this, uh, what's the origin story <laughs> behind this? Okay. So right out of, uh, pretty much when I decided, Hey, I'm going to be a wrestler. My mom, who was being a, a very big realist with me said, Hey, you're 135 pounds. You're not going to be a wrestler unless you start taking this seriously and going to the gym and training. So I was lucky enough to have a good friend who was involved in powerlifting. And uh, I went with him one day to the gym and for whatever crazy reason, fell in love with going to the gym. And uh, because he was a powerlifter and he was a big meathead, he was going to a world's gym that was like 15, 20 minutes from my house. So my friend... Like he's come and gone from that gym. He opened up his own thing. I became like, um, I had my own crew of of gym goers with me and we had this little tight knit group of like five, six guys. We trained together four days a week. We, we did all, all this stuff together. And like that became our little lifting world and little lifting crew and click or whatever. Uh, fast forward after training there 10 years, uh, and through three different owners, Jim goes out of business. Uh, so now we don't know where to train and we don't live close. Like this world's gym happened to be like the exact middle point for everybody. So everybody was traveling like 15, 20 minutes to get here. So now everyone's kind of like, all right, I guess we're not going to train together anymore. And then like people started moving away. So, We always assumed that the gym was going to open back up because over the three owners that we were there for, the power would go out, the bills wouldn't get paid, sometimes we'd lose heat. So we just started making a little collection of pieces of the gym just in case it ever really did close. So when we found out for good, the gym's closing, one of my friends, this is very illegal by the way, one of my friends had a big box truck. Uh, and we just pulled it up to the back door of the gym. We knew it was going to be unlocked and we started taking stuff right from the gym. So in my garage now COVID happens, I don't have anywhere to train. Uh, I had been bouncing around from gym to gym, but hadn't like found a home in like that year. So I had a bunch of stuff that we had taken from this one gym, including mats for the floor. Cause we just literally picked mats up off the floor, threw them in the truck just in case. We ended up, uh, my buddy and I, we ended up building my garage into a representation of World's Gym that we all trained at, and I, I couldn't, with the World's Gym mats on the floor, and the World's Gym bars, and the World's Gym weights, I couldn't not call it World's Gym, so I had to pay tribute to it, but I had to make it my own. 
So it's it's not the world's gym, but it's like a little world's gym, and it's VSK's. <laughs> I love it. I love. Yeah. I want, when I saw that T-shirt hit the pro wrestling tees shop, I was like, "There's got to be a really good story behind this." I don't yeah. know what it is, but I but I want to like, know. It's a shirt for like ten people. Yeah. <laughs> you know. No, what I mean? that's great. But I, I figured like as long as I start calling it that, like I'll start tagging it and try and make it like a thing of mine. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it, hasn't, it hasn't sold too many shirts, so I don't know how much it's caught on, but I enjoy it. <laughs> if you're listening yeah, and please. you want to buy a shirt from a VSK's Little World Gym shirt, that's a membership card, so you yes, can come exactly. train with Vinny. That is 100% um, true. Uh, every, <laughs> actually, I think everybody that trains at my gym has picked one of those up, because now, uh, because of the quarantine, people didn't have anywhere to go, so I just started telling people, yeah, come on through. So pretty much everyone that came through now has a shirt. So I'll have to get like a group picture. It's like a <laughs> membership uh, to hang up in there. Yeah, absolutely. You could like that's how they get past the desk. There you go. Um, yeah, I have. I just have the is that VSK shirt. I'm not oh, wearing it you. right. I don't know why I'm like I'm not wearing it right this second. Thank it's you. actually funny. My wife listens to this podcast, so I'm going to get busted when I say this. But I'll tell you why I don't have it during COVID. Uh, I would. She was working from home also. And so I would ship, previously, I would ship pro wrestling tees orders to work. Okay, and then smart. I would just bring them home in my work <laughs> bag, like one at a time. Mm-hmm. So during COVID, I kept buying them and kept buying them, and, but they were all going to work. And now I have an entire cabinet full. Like, there's probably 20 to 25 wrestling t shirts. Yeah. in this cabinet at work and we were moving um houses so we just moved a couple months ago and i couldn't bring them home because then everything would have been gone through so now that we're in the new house i can start bringing them home one at a time but, but now, so the, is now that, that you're VSK saying shirt, it, uh, now that you're saying on the podcast you could take all 25 home at once because you're out you're exposed <laughs> <laughs> that's true i actually am going to be moving into work i think now okay. that's yeah, what's yeah. going to happen <laughs> there you go <laughs> uh kenny cut all this no i'm kidding this is fine um oh wait can sweet. i ask you a question i'm sorry can i ask yeah. you a question about your shirt is that from uh yeah. uh t public it's from threadless threadless which okay. maybe i don't know if they're the same thing i don't think they are but there there used to be these two websites threadless being one that i always yeah. saw like cool astronaut shirts and i always want that's literally the exact one that i always look at that i want so i i, I as soon as you came on the video i was like I know that fucking shirt. I want that fucking shirt. A funny story about this shirt that I'm wearing. I think it's called Funkalicious maybe is the design name by Threadless. Okay. So I have a fluctuating weight of about 100 pounds. Wow. In That's my impressive. adult life. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not from lifting. Right, um, right. <laughs> right. So I have had this shirt in probably four different sizes because you, you I constantly that. buy it. But you got to you gotta have it be one size that is your motivation size. And you'd be like, I really like this shirt, so I got to get back into this shirt. Then I'm, that, I can buy it and have it shipped <laughs> faster. That's the problem. I hope your wife's <laughs> listening to this. We got to get these shirts out of here. <laughs> Yeah, I have a definite shirt problem. Okay, you've been popping up literally all over the place. I feel yes. like I think in your Twitter or Instagram it says modern day Rick Rude, which is a great yes, an, yes. Uh, <laughs> a great metaphor for wrestling fans. I mean, literally impact like AEW. I think you did like what fifteen different appearances there. F- fifteen appearances on AEW. Uh, two on Impact. I've had two WWE matches. 
Who's counting though, right? Yeah, yeah. And and don't forget Figure Wrestling Federation also. So Oh right. <laughs> would you say like do you do you consider yourself to be one of the, like the bigger free agents on the market at this point? Like, I know that that might sound egotistical, but I'm asking. Cause like I, people do say that, like you're, you're literally popping up everywhere. Like it's like, is who's going to sign, like who's going to lock this guy down? That's hashtag, at least what I've heard. Yeah. Hashtag sign VSK. So, yeah. um, the egotistical, like easy answer is like, yes, I am one of the top people. I am doing all of these things. I'm on either your TV or your YouTube every week. I'm in all of these bigger promotions. Yeah, I'm one of the biggest people on the scene. But then, like, fold that layer of the onion down and look a little bit further where it's not just the VSK, like, and it's like, am I one of the top indie names? Maybe. I don't really know. Uh, I feel like the indies also took a big hit you know, in 2020, I feel like the trajectory that I was on for 2019 leading into 2020 was going to place me at being one of the top indies or one of the top indie wrestlers, but then everything changed. So like my schedule, I had January, 2020 booked through June of 2020. And now obviously everything after February gets canceled. But I was wrestling for, or I was supposed to be wrestling for top indie companies, uh, pretty much had something once a week, if not twice a week. And I think that's kind of, the weird thing about indie wrestling is like, the way to be a top indie wrestler is to be wrestling. I, I feel like it's just the exposure that is what makes you a top indie wrestler. So if you're on... If you can show on Twitter or on Instagram, like, hey, I have these 20 shows coming up, then it's like, oh, this guy must be a top indie wrestler. I should get him on my show. And then it's like the illusion becomes a reality almost. So I think when everything shut down, I was like, oh, I go back to the end of the line. I'm not a top indie name anymore, whatever. Then all of this stuff happens where I, I went out to California, did championship wrestling from Hollywood. I started going to Jacksonville for AEW. Then Impact came up. Then I was doing more AEW. And then it's like, I don't know if I'm a top indie name, but I have to be at least a, a top name in wrestling. Like, there's not a place where you can look and not see me or where my name isn't in the conversation of just people who are out there doing everything that they can do. So, like, humbly, am I a top guy? I don't know. I'm trying to be, but VSK, am I, am I a top guy? A hundred fucking percent I am. And if you don't believe so, here's the list of things that I've done. So it's like that weird balance in my head at all times. <laughs> yeah, no. And I, like I said, I didn't want to make you uncomfortable because it, it is weird to like talk about, or people will say like, this guy's like full of himself or whatever, but, but quite honestly, you're literally showing up everywhere. So it's sort of like, it's one of those things where from a fan's perspective, you're like, this guy is going to be locked down sooner than later, right? That's, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that, I guess, transitions into my last question of this section, which is just, like, what's what's next? Like, what's your goal? Like, where do you want to go from here? Um, so this is, like, kind of a discussion I was just having with my wife because thing, I don't want to say things are falling into place, but I'm not happy unless I'm busy. So, like... Every time there's like a little lull, I'm like, oh man, is, is wrestling not working out anymore? And like after my last AEW appearance, which I think was a month and a half, two months ago, 
I didn't have anything really lined up. So I was like, oh man, this kind of sucks. I thought I had all this momentum. So I was like, you know, I went on Twitter and I cried and I said, hey, I have weekends open. Does anyone want to fill these weekends? And now, uh, last weekend was the start of it. I have 12 shows in seven weeks and, uh, I just got reached out to about possibly doing some more traveling and that will be 14 shows in seven weeks. And then, then I'm like, oh, I can be happy now. I'm super busy and don't have any time to do anything other than wrestle. So the goal is to be as busy as possible, to be on as many shows as possible, to hopefully make the transition to have wrestling be the sustainable thing for my life so I can wrestle and not go to the nine to five that I hate every day that I I justify going to with, I have to have my weekends free for wrestling. Uh, But then like, the more like minute details, like going into what we were just saying about like being active is what makes you more active. I had a goal going into 2020 to have 80 matches by the end of the year. Obviously that didn't happen. It's not going to happen for 2021 either, just cause you know, we're, we're starting late, but I want to, I want to be doing something twice a week, three times a week. I want to be on every show that I can be at. I want you to get annoyed by my face. I want you to to not only say, is that VSK, but is that VSK again? I just want to be everywhere that I could possibly be. <laughs> That's a great goal. I like yeah. that. Is that VSK again? Get the fuck out of here. Somebody, <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. somebody sign this guy. Sweet. Well, that's those are the questions I had for the first round. I'd, if you're right. uh, if you're still good, we'll move right on to Let's the go. second round. Let's do it. So, I'm gonna actually get my phone because I have my questions here. Okay, the second round is called uh, Five for Five. It's a tri- <laughs> this might have a little to do with my weight fluctuation. It's a tribute okay. to one of my favorite Arby's promotions of all time, where you could get five classic roast beef sandwiches for five dollars. I can't um, say I'm familiar, but it sounds nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do you not have Arby's there? Uh, I think Arby's is only like a traveling, uh, experience. Oh, I don't know. Wow. Oh, no, wait, no, there is an Arby's. I'm lying. There's an Arby's okay. down the street from where I work. Never <laughs> mind. <laughs> anyway, that's the inspiration for the name. Do you okay. want to go first since you're the guest? I got one ready to go here. So I, I was listening to a previous episode. Thank you. <clears throat> you guys are talking about, uh, boy bands. Yeah, yeah. So I was wondering if you have a go-to boy band karaoke song Ooh, yes okay so it's not my favorite boy band but i feel like it's a crowd pleaser okay so it's i want it that way by the backstreet boys like that's i you know people sing along yeah it's it's just the best i think especially for karaoke like you need something that's gonna get the energy up that's gonna get everybody involved so they don't realize how bad you are at singing or at least that's what i do (laughs) no i'm also not a good singer i always said if you can't sing perform yeah. Um, so that's my, when I was still drinking a lot, that was my tactic. Gotcha. But yeah, I feel like the first, the second, the first hit note hits, yeah. like people lose their shit. Everyone's just, so. you, uh, yep. you're in, you're in. Yep. 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 Yeah. See, you actually sound really good. You could be in a boy band. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great transition to my first question, All which right. is weirdly, do you sing in the shower? I don't. I don't, especially I have, uh, so we just redid my bathroom and we put like one of those little nooks with that hold like your show, your soap and your shampoo and everything, Mm -hmm. but it also perfectly fits my phone. Okay. So I think more times and well, not more times, pretty much every day now I'll scroll YouTube while I'm in the shower and put on like, 
oh, what did Brian Alvarez say about this match? And it's like, I can't give myself a moment where I'm not doing something wrestling related. So I'm watching like raw reviews or something in the shower, throwing on a podcast in there. So not a lot of singing, no. Okay. Are you... Not worried that you're going to get your phone wet and damage it? So I have the iPhone 12, which uh, is semi-water resistant. Not that I've, like, tested it and jumped in the pool. But uh, <laughs> I also have, like, the OtterBox that's got, like, the little thing to go in the, the plug. So it, uh, it, it gets wet. But uh, it's still here. It's still working. So we're doing the best we can. <laughs> okay. When you said that, that's where my head went immediately. I also have the iPhone 12. I didn't know that it was waterproof. Um, I think, it, but I, I think don't it can go, have insurance. Okay, yeah, then don't fuck with that. But I think yeah. it can go into something like six feet and be okay. Okay. Yeah. Right on. <laughs> um, yeah, it's time for your second question. Okay. Uh, uh, well, actually, we'll get back to the question I asked earlier. Your your like match or your moment where you were like, "This is it for me." Yeah. So I I need to I feel like I need to preface this, or people will just dismiss me as a wrestling fan. Uh-oh. Um, because I couldn't watch wrestling a lot as a child when I did get to watch it I was always drawn to like the most extreme thing so I think that it was Wrestlemania 8 when it was Rick Rick Martel and Jesus why Jake am I the, losing Jake thank you snake. yes and the blindfold, the blindfold match, match. yes, yes. yes. <laughs> okay so, I wanted to let you get there I wanted to let you get there yeah I'm gonna so run wait, it back actually and say it your Wrestlemania <laughs> is also my Wrestlemania Yes, because it, it was it was WrestleMania seven. So okay, there you we, go. We both, as little children, fell in love with wrestling from the same WrestleMania. Different matches, from this, yeah. But this conversation is fueled by the same night. That's amazing. Yeah, it was. So for me, it was like the storytelling, and the, obviously, I don't know if you can tell, Vinny. I'm not super athletic. Um, <laughs> the storytelling for me, though, in that was like. Holy shit. Like you had the build up and you know they used to always show especially at WrestleMania they would always show like the production packages. Yep, yep. So you got the whole like history of the feud in like a couple minutes and I was hooked. I was like, "Holy shit, you know, in my mind I'm like, he really sprayed him in the eyes His like eye was white. See. His yeah. eye was white. Yeah, like what? there's no other explanation. <laughs> yeah. So I like and watching them like fumble around in the blindfolds not knowing of course they're like gimmick blindfolds. Yeah, yeah. You what know, you, wait, I was what? like they're gimmick what? what? <laughs> they're gimmick blindfolds. <laughs> so yeah, that was the moment where I was like, this is awesome yeah. like it's better than anything else that i get to watch on tv 100%. and i want to watch every single time i can isn't that funny like for me like the reunion at the end and all the emotion that goes into the reunion at the end is what like cemented it for me and yours yeah. is the storytelling and not it's not the wrestling and it's like it's so crazy how the wrestling is the secondary thing it's like all all this cool action happened but this guy he got sprayed in the face with perfume and his eye turned white and they sprayed his his snake and it's like wait are we watching a sport what are you talking about (laughs) well it's so then when i fast forward to like a few years later when my parents i think had just given up on the fact and like kind of let us watch it here and there my dad used to say like he would get he would try to get under our skin by saying that like rick martell was his favorite wrestler (laughs) yeah yeah because you know he was like super heel and we'd be like rick martell sucks like you know but that was like 
he he did that just to like egg us on. He yeah, didn't course. give a shit at all. What a heel. Yeah. So that was my yeah, Frank is definitely a heel. <laughs> um that was my like moment that hooked me, if you will. It's yeah. I wouldn't say it's like my favorite moment of all time, but that was when I watched and I was like, yeah. I've gotta watch this. No, I get you hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um all right. This is my second question for you is which family member of yours do you think that I would get along the best with and why? I mean, right now I'm thinking it's me because this uh, is going very that's well. That's a great answer. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's no evidence that uh, says the contrary. I think right now it's going to be me. To go awesome. back to our boy band, uh, it's yeah. going to be me. <laughs> that, I was just talking to my wife about how that song is like still such a banger years later. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. I think like the late '90s, early 2000s, like that whole like Britney Spears like ultra pop is some of the best pop music that there will ever be. Oh yeah, and I don't think it's just a generational thing, but it probably is. But no one can argue that uh, like Toxic isn't like one of the best songs of all time. Oh Or like yeah. Cry I, Me a River. Like come on, come on. Yeah, Toxic <laughs> I used to have as a ringtone from a girl in college that I had a crush on. Nice. Um, so that's what I always equate that with ringtones. Remember ringtones? Fuck raging <laughs> ourselves. Jesus. <laughs> this is just two uh, young guys talking about, uh, Olivia Rodrigo. What are you talking about? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I couldn't name one of her damn songs if I had to, I can name too many. So moving on, but Britney Spears all day. And obviously yeah, yeah. she's very topical right now, but Jesus, Free Britney. I mean, yeah. God, what I heard the other day, I had my like Spotify on just random when I was driving to work and genie in a bottle came on. That's Christina Christina Aguilera. Aguilera, Yeah. And I was like, (laughs) no, but I was like, that was another song where I was like, fuck, this is still a good song. Yeah. Like I would listen to this now if it came out. Like TRL. Oh, Oh. yeah. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Do you, (laughs) side note, do you remember there was this like one time TRL did a contest where they, you could win like a TRL broadcast from your backyard no, it was That's a, like, it was like a in one your and house, done. Like. Yeah, they did it, and somebody in my home, like my county, like actually won. And did my brother and is friends with her. No, I didn't know her at uh. the time. But yeah, she's like she's got all these pictures with like Carson Daly and stuff. That's so it's cool. Like, I know. I'm like, what a life. Yeah. Like I, that would be my pinnacle. I'd just be done. <laughs> <laughs> be like, all right, cool. I'm not gonna do anything cooler than this. So <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Um, okay. Question three for you or from you. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I feel like most times wrestling fans or wrestlers have like a nerdy side and have some sort of like either comic or something like that, that they, uh, are into. So for me, I'm a huge Batman fan. Okay. So my question is who is your Batman? Ooh. Um, so I'm not saying that wrestling is the only, I don't know what my nerd side is of that. So like, I, I don't really get into comics. I don't know why I never have. Like I've never gotten into star Wars. God, sorry. I'm thinking, I want to make sure I'm not lying to you. No, that's fine. Uh, Also, I mean, I have a lot of nerdy. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to lie to you, Vinny. Um, I mean, Okay. It's not the same at all, but, okay. but with my love of boy bands, I love Nick Lachey from 98 Degrees. Okay. And some of it is that he's from Cincinnati, which is mm-hmm. where I grew up near. And like when him and Jessica Simpson were married still, there <laughs> yeah. was a 
like people were like, Nick's going to move back and run for mayor. And like Jessica Simpson's going to be the first lady of Cincinnati. And I was like, I don't ever want to leave here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Then your whole um, town becomes a reality show. Oh God. I'm, I'm dying for a TV credit. So like, let's, can we make that happen now? Even with Vanessa, I'll take her. That's fine. Um, I'm tr- but so I don't know if that counts cause he's definitely not the same as Batman, well, but I really uh, am into like, I, I do want to just for, like <laughs> <clears throat> what I meant. I like where you're taking this question a lot, but it's not what I meant by it. <laughs> okay. So I meant like every generation has their actor who plays Batman. So like, oh. <laughs> I just meant which actor, if, when you think of Batman, is yes. your Batman. Jesus. Me being the Batman fan. However, I like that Nick Lachey is the equivalent <laughs> to Batman <laughs> for you. I'm um, glad that you answered it the way that you did. So we can stop there if you want, or you can give me who's your actor. <laughs> so, no, I, I mean, I'll tell you, I like... I I th- I like Michael Keaton as Batman, okay. but I wish that he got to be in a Batman where Batman wasn't so comedic. Okay, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I wish he could have played him later in the series. In like the Dark Knight, if yeah. Michael Keaton yeah. was, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think sense. he would have been phenomenal, like in those. For sure. Yeah, for sure. And I'm so sorry I botched that question. No, so no, much. no. I, like I said, I'm glad that we answered it both ways because your answer is better than just saying, "Oh, I like Michael Keaton." <laughs> But man, if if I had a huge audience, the headline could be Nick Lachey to play Batman? Question yeah. mark. <laughs> oh geez. Okay, I feel like my questions are like much different than I don't know if they're good or bad. What's the hardest news you've ever had to break to someone? Oh, uh, I mean, like getting real. Probably my grandmother passed away like four years ago, and uh, having it broken to me was probably the hardest news I've ever had to receive and then I had to call my wife and tell her oh man and then uh we all went back to my parents house like we all just left work immediately and we were at my parents house in the living room my sister was the last one to get there and my mom just texted her like come home and didn't tell her why because uh my sister and my grandmother were the closest like they were like best friends so we all wanted to like be there to tell her. Yeah. So she walked in and like, she knew right away. So that yeah. was a hundred percent the, the hardest anything. Yeah. That's it was gut just, r- yeah. That's gut wrenching. Now I feel bad for asking Jesus. No, I, mean, I didn't it's mean to a, make you go there. But the, the, the reason that's not a bad question is because as shitty as that moment is, I love talking about my grandmother so much and like any chance that I get to, tell funny stories about her or even just think about her and without telling a story, I'm happy to. I have uh, on my nightstand next to my, the only thing I have on it is my contacts, my glasses and three pictures of me with my grandmother. So like, I, I don't mind talking about her even, you know, unfor- in the saddest moment that you can talk about her, it's still bringing her up and bringing back those memories. Like when you ask the question and then like thinking through all of the things that played out from it, my, here's why it's not a bad question. My grandmother, huge uh, Bud Light Lime fan for some reason. Don't oh. know why. Don't know why. Beer's terrible. So we have a really nice picture after her funeral. We went back to my parents' house and we took a picture. Me and my wife, my parents, and my sister all toasting with Bud Light Limes. So like, when else Love would that. I get to tell that story? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
if if not for that question. So like I said, I will I will happily talk about her all the time. It, even in the saddest moment, it brings a smile to my to my face to think about her. Yeah. No, that's sweet. I love I love stories like that, like yeah. with the the Bud Light line. Okay, your question number four. All right. Okay, so I see behind you, you've got some wrestling figures there. Yeah. This isn't the question, but how long have you been collecting? Yep. Not long. <laughs> oh, not long? Okay. No. I never had space as an adult, um, so, like, anywhere to put them. Gotcha. So I, I had them as a teenager. I didn't get to keep them, usually. And I also, for the longest time, kept them in the box, most. And then I did a whole thing, like, where I would, like, donate them to local hospitals because... I was like, I don't have anywhere to put them. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah okay. Um, when we decided to move, I started collecting again. Mm-hmm. And my first purchase was like these old, I really need to look these up because now it's come up twice. I think they might be like, uh, they're the rockers and they're in the green with the purple. Yeah, yeah the, the Hasbros. Okay, thank you. Yes. I, I couldn't remember. But those were ones that I got as a kid. Yes. And so like I re- when I saw them at like the toy store that I bought them at, this time I was like, oh, like I need the, like I need to have that again. You know what I mean? I do. I um, do. And then it's just prompted, like I'm, I'm constantly on the hunt for like different people to round out my collection. Yeah, but I haven't really been collecting, like seriously for long. Okay. Well, okay. So that's the uh, part A of my question, and then the part B okay. will be, um, what is like your favorite thing in your figure collection right now? Like, what's your holy grail of your figure collection? The MJF Chase figure. Oh, you have the chase? I do. Oh yeah. boy. Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. It's um oh you can't see it, it's out of the view. It's like in the box still. Yeah, yeah. In like a hard protective box. <laughs> and like when we moved, I actually had it wrapped all by itself in like a giant moving box. Yeah, it yeah. was in ra- like rolls and rolls of bubble tape mm-hmm. and it had like fragile stickers all over it so that I could like find it as soon as we got here and make sure like it wasn't damaged in the move. Wow. It, yeah. Wow. MJF, <laughs> this fucking guy. This, I, I'm yeah. looking, I have my MJF figure in front of me as well. Uh, he yeah. was nice enough to come by and sign it not too long ago. I I don't want it to be in the position that it is because I have like I said I'll show you after but I have two like book stands uh, yeah. on either side of my TV that are filled with like different collections childhood figures Shawn Michaels figures so on and so forth and then it spills out onto like my little entertainment table underneath with two of the old school Hasbro rings with like other collections and stuff and it's like I don't want to say it's by importance. But, like, what just happens to be front and center right now, because I have nowhere else to put it, is the signed MJF. So it's like he's literally next to a Macho Man figure and a Bret Hart figure. And I don't want him to be there because I'm not (laughs) saying he's like Bret Hart or the Macho Man. But it's just the only place for the figure to go. Yeah. So now he's in the middle of my fucking collection. It's ridiculous. He he has his own shelf in this room. Oh, really? (laughs) Because I also have... God, this is embarrassing. I have, I like the regular figure. I have a loose version, and then okay. also one still in the box. There are certain ones that I still keep in the box. Oh, yeah. Not very it. many, but yeah. I get it. I get it. We have to cut all this, Kenny. <laughs> <laughs> it's embarrassing. My fourth. Wait, did I answer? Was that both yeah, parts? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. I'll show you two when we're done recording. Yes. Though I'm very excited to get the Chase variant. What is something that you are insecure about? Oh, everything. Like everything? That's, yeah, yeah. 
I, I'm insecure about my wrestling. I'm insecure about like, uh, there's there's so much. Like I I feel like the reason that we're getting deep here. I feel like the reason I need to constantly be busy and constantly be promoting something or posting something is because I want to make sure that I am like as I I want to have this projection and then I want to meet that proje- projection. So mm-hmm. I have to keep putting stuff out there more and more so that I can try and meet more and more because I can't just be happy with what I am doing or what I have. So like it's just this vicious cycle of like oh man, am I doing enough? Is am I wrestling good enough? Am I making the right moves like home worldwise? You know, it's just like it's the constant second guessing everything. Yeah, but then things, you know, like I said, things are falling into place and going decently right now. But still, I'm like, is there more that I could be doing? Am I am I not making the most of certain opportunities? Should I leave my job and do the wrestling more full time? It's just like the constant insecurity of, am I doing the right thing? Am I on the right path? Even when it looks very much like, yeah, you're doing okay. For me, it's just like. Yeah, I gotta be doing more. I gotta be doing something else. Yeah. So that's the stressful mind fuck of my everyday life. <laughs> no, it's it's uh it's just not like not being happy with status quo, right? Like always wanting yeah. to be better and doing more. Hundred percent. And it's, it's a like, blessing and a curse. It is. But then it also gets to the point where like you start to think like, would I recognize happiness if I saw it? Because I'm so used to chasing it. That if yep. I ever got there, would I even know what that is? And like yeah. that's been like a tough thing in like the last two years to kind of like have that self-realization and then try and like figure out how to deal with it. But also like being self-aware isn't the cure. So like I can be aware that I'm doing all these things and then just continue doing them just because it's how I'm wired. You know, and I think like I've met plenty of successful people that are like that. And I've also met plenty of successful people that are happy. So it's just like or not even just like on the ride are happy to to go through the ride. And it's just like, are, are we on the ride to happiness? Should I be happiness that I'm on the ride? Is the destination the happiness? It's that, you know, it's that yeah. fun struggle. It's funny that you bring that up. Like I and I, I know I talked about like professional career or whatever and like actually liking this job and having a lot that I didn't I think I was the same way like I think I was always like oh I'll be like when I get to this level of this career or like when I'm working at this agency I worked in advertising agencies Mm -hmm. so it was like that it was like always like I need to do something better or different or bigger or the next Mm -hmm. and I'm not saying that I don't want to have career growth now but like I'm finally at a place where I'm like enjoy like what you're learning and doing right and like and then I have all these like fun hobbies like I get to I do stand up and I get to do this and like meet a lot of cool people yeah. and pay too much for an MJF figure on eBay and um, <laughs> oh, all man, this you things. got it from eBay also oh my god yeah, I know Liz my wife cannot listen to this Can episode cut this <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah I could, here's the thing I couldn't not have it okay I was like it's his first figure Come here. listen know? listen I I I help train him yeah I, I understand. But also, yeah. I don't have his chase figure because fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, it, like you're saying, <clears throat> you gotta figure out that balance of like what you gotta also know what happiness is 
and then figure out the balance of how much unhappiness to get to that happiness you can have, like, are willing to put up with. And like, like you said, like having a job that maybe you're not super happy with, but you have the wrestling and the comedy. So it's all a balance, but I also don't want to have a balance. I just want to do what I'm enjoying doing. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's fine. Right. Like, I think it's not a one size fits all for everyone there. And I say, I say to my wife all the time, because like, I understand that, like, like I said, in the next seven weeks, I have 12 shows. So that means I'm going to see my wife probably zero. And, and I'm get I'm trying actively to get more stuff. You know, we both work nine to fives and then I'm gone on the weekend. So it's like, I tell her all the time, I know I'm being selfish and I appreciate that you are letting me be selfish. But, you know, she, she wants the same thing I do because for me to make it or get signed or whatever that imaginary thing is that I'm chasing, like that's going to help collectively. So it's like, go be selfish because as selfish as it is, it's going to have ramifications you know for everybody and and then it's like if i don't chase it then i'm gonna sit in this basement unhappy and just look at what could have been right so right yeah like you don't want to say what if yeah the i don't know if you want to use it you're more than welcome to use this i used it actually earlier today on my wife when when i was talking she's she was insinuating and she wasn't wrong in this scenario that i was being a little selfish in like something that i was trying to make happen and i said but what you have to realize is it's like for the collective we, and the we isn't great if the two me's aren't strong. Mm. I do. I do like that. So, yeah, if you want to use it, yeah. you know, feel free. <laughs> I do All like right, that. time for your fifth question for me. Uh, okay, so here's the thing. I think just talking, we've answered all of these questions because I'm looking at them and I have the answers to them ready. Okay. So what I'm going to do, <clears throat> I'm going to ask about the comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big, like, uh, I, I mean, he's canceled now, but I am a big Louis C.K. fan. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I enjoy, like, George Carlin, um, John Mulaney, like, the storyteller comedy uh, people. Yep. Who were your, like, comedic influ- uh, influences? And did you make the transition from wrestling into comedy? Was the comedy something that was always underlying? Or, like, how did that, how did that go? Um, that's a great question. So... I didn't trying to think how, when this happened. (laughs) So one of the first people I remember like actually knowing as a comedian, like for a career was Dane Cook. Oh, because he like, you know, did the whole like, like he was killing it on the internet. He did like the CDs. He blew up right at that perfect time for us. Yeah. Yeah. And even today, like what I'll say, by the way, Dane Cook blocked me on Twitter. Oh, what did you do? Um, Question six. What did you do yeah, to Dane it's, Cook? <laughs> it's fine. I'm happy to answer it. So he one night like made a tweet about something related to poker. I don't remember what it was. But then like in his replies, like on Twitter, I like responded and like sent like three jokes or something within a matter of a couple minutes. He ended up deleting my replies and tweeting them as like an addition to his tweet, like a bit. And so then I was like, fuck this guy. Like, at least just give me credit, you know? So I like started tweeting at him angrily. Yeah, like, I don't blame you. Dude, come on. Like, you're, you have so much money. Like, can you just give me a little rub <laughs> and a little credit for this tiny tweet that maybe 150 people are going to see? Yeah, that's shitty. Because it's bl- like nobody can be funnier than me. I have to have all the punchlines. Right. 
And he said, I'll pull it up because I still have the email saved that I got from Twitter. But he said, had all of these planned out a while ago. Don't flatter yourself. Uh, um, Something like jealousy gets you blocked. Oh, my God. You should have blocked him then. Yeah, still to this day, I'm blocked by him. But yeah, that's okay. So he was one of the first people like I didn't watch comedians growing up. And like, you know, people like George Carlin, who have been around for a while, like my family wasn't into that. So like, I just wasn't exposed to it. I mean, now I've like, yeah, gone I back think and I was going to say, I think I got into it like after the fuck like, YouTube has really like got me yeah. more into comedy or like, uh, I used to do like Pandora where you could put it, like pick a comic oh, yeah. and then just have it play all the tracks of like similar artists. Yeah. And like that, that, that's kind of how I got into comedy. Yeah. So I, I'll say that like, it's a weird, um, it's maybe like not a common, uh, answer, but like a lot of my inspiration came from, um, Chelsea Handler. She had the, um, she had the Chelsea lately show where Mm -hmm. they had the round table. And so they would have like rotating comedian, uh, comedians that would come on and like give like small little like blurbs to headlines or whatever. And I literally was like, that's what I, like, I want to be on the round table. Like that was my, that was my goal. And, um, so then I started like following them on Twitter and like, I would go see them live. And so a lot of the people who I've been fortunate enough since to like hang out with or like perform with like Josh Wolf from that show, Sarah Colonna, Fortune Feimster. And, uh, there's somebody in Cincinnati or not in Cincinnati in Chicago named Megan Gailey, who's now in LA, but she's very, very funny. And those were the people because I was so much like later in life and they were like very in the in the now when I yeah. was like getting involved and interested. Like they were the people that I sort of like gravitated to because they all have like similar styles. Like you said, it's like storytelling, but their topics are like funny and relatable. And I just find them. Um, I don't know to be very like I like that they all have a lot of projects going on. They've all written like spec scripts and sold things to like networks. And you know what I mean? They're like yeah, written yeah. books. They're doing a lot of like interesting things. So. Yeah. Um, and they're all, they've all been very kind to me. That's too. so cool. Like I, I think about all the time with like wrestling, like having the ability to have watched somebody get inspired mm-hmm. by them and then meet them or perform with them. Like there's a lot of times where like we were saying before, like you have to kind of like take a step back and let, be like, Oh, Hey, this person that was on the show that I really wanted to be on, I now like communicate with them and am appear to them. Like that's such a crazy thing to think about. Yeah. And then when your goal is so specific, like I want to be on this show to then be in that same circle. It's, 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 a, it's a very cool, crazy thing that not yeah. a lot of people get to say that they, you know, followed through and got to that. Yeah, it's it blows my mind like how much because like I got to do a show with Josh Wolf in Chicago here and like he um you know he like listened to my performance and mm-hmm. like gave me feedback and yeah. was like if you want to do better like these were things that you you know and it's like I remember watching you on the round table like yeah, this yeah. is just so weird but yeah those are like probably my some of my bigger inspirations in comedy even though they're not like the bigger names of like your George Carlin, Louis CK. No, but I think I, again, it makes a lot of sense because you had that specific goal. So how could they not be your influences? Yeah. Fortune Feimster is great. She is, I don't know if you, she's more, she's doing like some great tours and stuff. Now she, I, we're going to see her actually in two weeks, uh, and at a show here, uh, near Chicago. So okay. 
I'm super pumped to see her. Awesome. I mean, I would do a show with her too, but she yeah, hasn't yeah. responded. So <laughs> maybe she has you blocked. You just don't realize it yet. <laughs> Dane Cook was like, "Fuck this guy." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay. My last question for you is: Have you ever hated someone for being luckier or more successful than you? Probably hated might be strong. Yeah, hated strong. Like definitely younger coming up in wrestling. Yeah. Again, like having that like mindset of like, hey, I should be doing more things. And then seeing people who I know are not. Okay, that makes me sound even more cocky and egotistical. (laughs) But I'm just going to say it again. Uh, (laughs) To see people sometimes get the opportunity that you think you deserve. uh, I feel like there was a lot of that in the beginning because uh, I did kind of move quickly, I guess you could say, where like I picked things up kind of quickly. I felt mm-hmm. like I, I should have been doing more. And I, you know, I would see people who I'd be like, I know I'm a better wrestler than this guy. Why is he on this show? Or like on the same show, but they have a better spot on the show and I'm watching their match. And I'm like, this fucking sucks. Why would I get passed up for this person? There's definitely a lot of that, I think, in the beginning. And then you kind of grow up and realize like, oh, well, maybe if I did X, Y, and Z differently, and maybe that's why they're in this position, I'll still be a little bitter, of course, because, I mean, I'm a person. But, like, I I, I don't know if it's any hatred, but there's definitely people that I'll see and, like, roll my eyes at and be like, why is this happening for them and not for me? And it's really, like, a jealousy thing more than anything, but it happens. Yeah, it's, I, I think it's probably somewhat human nature. Yeah. If, unless you want to start having me name names, then fuck this person. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll record that for the Patreon. <laughs> yeah, perfect. You got to pay for that, and then we'll split the profits. You can have 70%, I'll take 30. Oh, wow, that's generous. I appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, I like my 9 to 5, so I'm, I'm, <laughs> there I'm you set. Go. <laughs> awesome. That's the last question I had for you in that round. Perfect. Okay, so now it's time for the Fast Friends Fortune Teller. So All this right. is this paper gimmick where I will ask you some questions. You'll make selections. It'll end up in a game that we'll play depending on what you pick. Um, it'll determine your fate. May the odds ever be in your favor. <laughs> thank you. What's thank your you. favorite uh, boy band out of Backstreet Boys, Sync, One Direction, or 98 Degrees? Sync, not even close. Yeah. If you had to pick from Wendy's, Arby's, McDonald's, or Burger King for a stop on a road trip, where would you stop? I'm, I'm going to answer with Wendy's and then sidebar. After okay. every show, uh, if there's a Wendy's close by, I go and get a Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich and spicy nuggets. That's like my reward to myself after shows. All right. The last one, and this will determine what game it is. If we stop at a road at a gas station on a road trip, would you pick Milk Duds, Corn Nuts, Cheez-Its, or Sour Patch Kids? Uh, none of the above. But I'll say I'll say Sour Patch Kids so that the game can continue. <laughs> I got to start having some fat people on here. <laughs> you can just um, change the options as well. <laughs> that's, but what am I going to put there? I don't know anything. Uh, what do you want me to put? Like different protein shake flavors or something? Uh, maybe. Yeah. So you picked uh, Never Have I Ever. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> My wife's not um, home. All right, let's do it. Okay, so I'm just going to pick uh, some cards. I actually have a Never Have I Ever game, so I'm literally just okay. going to pick them out at random. So Okay. Uh, s- <laughs> regretted dating someone. Uh, fun fact, the only person I've ever dated is my wife. Wow. That's, that's adorable. We've been, we've been together 18 years. Congratulations. That's a long time. Thank you. Yes. I know. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Um, 
peed in a sink or tub? Tub, 100%. But, like, while yeah. I'm in it. Like, not like, not like <laughs> from the outside in. <laughs> only, only tubs I'm in. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's not like you just walk around randomly peeing no, in people's no. tubs. But that sounds like a fun party game. <laughs> it really does. Never have I ever had to retrieve something out of shit. Like, literal poop. I want to say I probably have for my dog, mm. uh, but I can't think of a, a specific time. So I probably, if I have, then I had to block it out of my head and it worked. <laughs> Good. That's never have I ever stuck my hand in the toilet to retrieve something. A hundred percent have. Yeah. I think everyone I, I th- has. Yeah. Right? Especially with phones. I feel yeah. like phones end up in there more than they should. They really do. Right? Somebody should invent something to like... No, well, that, I mean, again, audio medium, I know, but I got a pop socket, so it'll never happen again. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I can't use the pop socket. I don't know why. Never have I ever given alcohol to minors. I have. <laughs> Are the feds fine. coming? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Let me get my FBI buddies on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, never have I ever charged food to someone else's room. I have. Listen, being on the road for AW, yeah. it's tough. <laughs> <laughs> please, please tell me it was uh, Max's. No. So, uh, man. No, never mind. I'll tell you a sidebar <laughs> after the podcast. Okay. 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 <laughs> never have I ever woken up next to someone and had serious regrets. Why? Yeah. No. If I have, then we're in a big. We're in a bigger issue. <laughs> yeah. So see, these are random. So it's okay. Uh, I think that's yeah. These are kind of never have I ever used shampoo as body wash. No, I've used body wash as shampoo. Oh, okay. Judging is all we have. Okay. Um, the last one is never have I ever opened a beer with my teeth. Oh no, fucking way! My first, my first match uh, hit in the jaw with some punch or uppercut or something, and my teeth chattered, and I chipped. My front tooth, my first ever match. I'm constantly worried about something happening to like my teeth and like them getting knocked out or like yeah. chipped or yeah. Even even wow. just saying it, I had to like do the like mm-hmm. suck on my teeth to make sure they're all there. Well, this is the part of the podcast where the rubber meets the road. So Vinny Scalise, yep. Logan Cummins has sent you a friend request. Would you confirm or delete it? I should also oh, preface. I thought you actually it's not, did. <laughs> it's not for real in Facebook. I mean, I probably will later. I'm yeah, a social we, media whore. But yeah, so it's metaphorical. But if I yes. were to send you a friend request at this moment, would you accept it or delete it? No, 100% you're accepted. <sighs> that was so easy. Yeah, yeah. I so uh, Listen, I, I've been on a lot of podcasts lately because everybody wants to, you know, I've done a couple shows, so everyone's like, hey, are you free from my podcast? I genuinely have enjoyed this one a lot. It's nice to just have an actual conversation and not have someone be like, so I see in 2008 you wrestled this person. You know what I mean? It's nice to just have an actual conversation, like get to know someone. And I've enjoyed getting to know you. And it sounds like from all of our conversations, we have a lot in common and also have plenty to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Don't worry. I will follow up and start asking you about your specific matches and opponents. Great. Let's do once, it. Now that we're friends. <laughs> Listeners at home, if we want to hear from you, now that Vinny and I are friends, what would you recommend that we do when we hang out the first time? Feel free to shoot us a text, 872-267-2735 and tell us, or hit us up on Twitter or Instagram. Vinny, please tell everyone where they can follow you, f- buy your merchandise, watch you on TV, all of those things, and support you. Yes. So uh, all of my handles, Instagram and Twitter, are 
is that VSK. My pro wrestling tees store is prowrestlingtees.com slash VSK. If you see me on a show, uh, I always have some show exclusive merchandise, 8x10s, pins, so on and so forth. So please, guys, if you see me, come say something to me. Happy to meet fans all the time. Hopefully you'll see me on AEW again soon-ish without me giving up more information that I know that I'm not supposed to know. Hopefully sooner than later you'll see me back on at least your computer screen. But yeah, like I said, I'm out there. If you're interested in seeing where I'm going to wrestle, check out Is That VSK. I post my flyers. I post my upcoming shows. So yeah, happy to meet some new fans and new friends. So please support any way you can. It helps a lot. Awesome. I appreciate you coming on and hanging out with me today. And I'm so glad that we were able to become friends. Thanks Thanks for coming by. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Fast Friends Podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for an all-new episode. Go ahead and hit subscribe so you don't miss it. You can follow me on Twitter at Logan Cummins. And if you have a suggestion on someone that I should be friends with, go ahead and let me know at fastfriendspodcast.com.